The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Divisional Round Playoff Betting Preview I'm joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, what is going on? What do you think of Super Wild Card Weekend? Oh, it was a good weekend for me, and Ravens moved on after a slow start, which was scary. The one thing that went wrong for me was uh, I rarely bet props. I got a good tip that Jimmy Graham wasn't going to be a part of the game plan. Got other people to bet that prop for me. And uh, he caught a 20-yard pass in the final play of the game, one-handed, and ruined the prop. Luckily, he couldn't, he couldn't get as much down on that as I could on games. But uh, good, good weekend overall, but who cares? We're on to the next, on the divisional round. That was a bad beat of bad beats, that, that game, uh, that play. One-handed, just ridiculous. But uh, we'll get into our divisional round six-pack. We're going to keep doing it the same way. Stuck still has the 10-point lead. Before we kick things off, three Very quick reminders. Number one, if you plan to bet on the NFL this season and haven't downloaded the free award-winning Action Network app, what are you doing? It's got betting tools, analysis from me, Stucky, and the whole Action Network team, and it lets you track every bet that you make. Number two, a quick programming note about the Action Network podcast. Stuck and I will continue our NFL betting episodes Every Thursday until the end of the season, we still have the NFL Fantasy Flex Show with me, Matthew Friedman, and Sean Corner, and our PGA Tour betting previews every Tuesday. Matt Moore doing our Wednesday NBA Buffet Show, and of course, Stuck and Colin Wilson return with college basketball episodes every week starting on Friday. And number three, last week, we encourage you guys to follow at Action Podcast on Twitter for a chance to win an Action Network hoodie. Thank you to all who participated. We really appreciate it. Our winners are Pete Aquisto, Trent Lugin, and Nate Jacobs. So Pete, Trent, and Nate, please email our producer, Matt Mitchell, at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. All right, let's get into it, Stuck. Let's crack open the divisional round NFL six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right, so we're going to keep with the format that we used last week. Each pick will be worth uh, two points. So no real best bet or higher point pick with the three games, but we'll still try to go in order of confidence. So for the first pick of the divisional round Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus three and a half at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. And before I get into all the reasons I like the Bucks stuck, uh, any thoughts on buying off the three uh, for people out there that are only getting a three at their book, any thoughts of how much you would pay to buy off the three? Uh, two to three and a half. Um, yeah, three is obviously the most key number in NFL betting. It's the 
number that games land on most frequently. If you have a, a two-and-a-half-point underdog, buying up to three is obviously key. Or if you have a three-point underdog, I don't do it as much, but I, um, here I would. I, if you can get up to minus 120, getting on to the three from a plus two-and-a-half-point dog, I, I depends. There's, there's a lot of other factors here, but general thumb up to minus 125, it's worth it. Yeah, I generally uh, buy onto the three more than I buy off of it uh, from three to three and a half. But yeah, I would recommend about the same 120, 125 uh, if you can get it. But the reason I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, despite them getting swept in the season series by New Orleans, is I think Tampa Bay matches up pretty well with New Orleans. First of all, we know Tampa Bay can defend the run game. So Alvin Kamara, obviously uh, the biggest part of that Saints offense in two games this year, Tampa Bay held Kamara to nine carries for 40 yards and 12 for 16. So a total of just uh, 56 yards on 21 carries, 2.7 yards per carry. For Alvin Kamara, Tampa Bay finished number one in running back yards per carry at 3.35 and number one in adjusted line yards, which uh, adjusts for longer runs and takes some of the uh, the credit out of them, and they're still number one at 3.6. So this is the best run defense in the league. Tampa Bay also did a pretty good job on Kamara as a receiver, just 60 yards on 14 targets in the two games. For Kamara, he did get a touchdown. But Tampa Bay is uh, number six in DVOA on passes to running backs, according to Football Outsiders, and that's with facing the third most schedule-adjusted target. So. Uh, Tampa Bay should be able to, to have some success against Alvin Kamara. And then the same thing is true for Michael Thomas. You have Thomas in week one going three for 17 on five targets. He played 81% of the snaps in that game. Uh, and then he goes five for 51 on six targets, just 55% of the snaps in the rematch. But overall, that's just 8.5 yards per catch on his eight catches uh, against this team. Tampa Bay minus 15.6 DVOA against wide receiver ones, meaning they're 15.6% uh, better than average against number one receivers. That's sixth in the league. Uh, and they face the second most schedule adjusted targets per game to number one. So uh, I think they match up very well with both of the Saints top players on offense. And then you look at Drew Brees and he's still not throwing the ball down the field, just uh, an average depth of target of 6.0 in the regular season. 4.7 last week, 4.5 and 5.0 in the two games against Tampa. Uh, and Tampa's number seven in, in DVOA against the short pass. So uh, I think that it's going to be somewhat of a, uh, a struggle for, for, these, for the Saints, even though they put up big numbers in, in the other two games. One was just that primetime game where Tampa Bay just didn't show up. I expect a better effort uh, this time around. But uh, I think you look at the other side of the ball now, and what killed Tom Brady in that second matchup was he was without Ali Marpet, who's the number three rated guard, according to pro football focus. And Brady struggled against pressure. He's, he, was on, he was under pressure on more than half of his draft backs in that second matchup. Uh, and just nine of 19 for, for 76 yards, four, four yards an attempt with a pick, three sacks. Uh, so I think with Marpet there, uh, you'll see a, a much less pressured Brady. And then you look at how this team is playing recently. So last week, Tampa Bay faces Washington, which is 
obviously one of the best defenses in all football. They finished number three in defensive DVOA. New Orleans ranks number two, so they're, they're pretty much neck and neck. Uh, and Tampa Bay put up 507 yards of total offense. That was 69 yards more than Washington had allowed to any other team all season long. And uh, even more promisingly, given that Brady has struggled under pressure against the Saints, Brady was pressured only 18.6 of the time, which is 7% lower than Washington season average uh, last week. So uh, I think Tampa Bay, their game, a lot of what they struggled with against New Orleans, I thought was, you know, in the first game, it was kind of continuity related. The second game, it was game plan related with maybe some primetime kinks mixed in, just weighed an egg. But uh, I talked about this earlier in the year when I was writing about Tampa Bay. I think a lot of their issues against New Orleans are correctable. Uh, I think they match up well against New Orleans. So uh, I have this game at uh, a half point in favor of New Orleans. So I have these teams rated pretty evenly and, and we can get in the home field advantage, which just isn't worth that much uh, this season. So I have this essentially as a coin flip game. Love getting Tampa Bay uh, at the three and a half here. I guess for my second pick of the Sunday six pack, I'll, since I'm talking about this game, I have the under 51 and a half here at BetMGM. And I make this game one and a half, so I'm with you there, especially if you can get three and a half. I have home field across the board in the NFL. It can differ based on certain circumstances, weather, matchups. But for the most part, it's one point across the board on average now. But that's lower for division games. Uh, there's already familiarity there, so it's about a half a point for division games. So the home field here is not much at all for just for me. And for what it's worth, since 2000, dogs in playoff games playing a team a third time. So when you're an underdog in the third matchup, they're 17 and 10 against the spread. We saw it last week, Rams, Browns, they both won outright as underdogs. Uh, 12 of the 17 won outright overall. Um, teams that lost both outright, as the Bucks did, they're four and three against the spread. Uh, it's only a sample size of seven over those 20 years, but I, the reason that I like the under here, and look, the Saints, the first, they played in the first game of the year. It was Brady's first game in Tampa. Uh, it was, and there was a lot of fluke special teams plays. Um, Buck special teams is awful, by the way. And then the, the other matchup, yeah, Marpet was out. It was the first game with Antonio Brown. But here's the thing. So there was a lot of, of fluky stuff. I mean, Breeze only threw for 222 yards in that second matchup, and they, they blew him out. What worries me – Really, I mean, Breeze threw six touchdowns, no picks in those two games, and it was just a lot of short passes because the Bucks defense, what they do is they run a lot of zone, but they run a 3-4, and the reason that they're so good against the run is because they play a lot of zone. The reason they're so good against covering backs is because they play a lot of zone up front, and that allows them to blitz. That allows them – you don't know what linebacker is coming in Todd Bowles' defense, so it's – it's hard to play man with the way that he wants to play and be so good against the running get pressure. But because of that, they've been playing a lot of off coverage on the outside with their corners all year, and they've been playing a lot of zone on the back end, and that's why Breeze was just able to throw these like four- to five-year passes up and down the field against Tampa. One of the things you look for, and look, I, look this under 51-and-a-half, 52, try to get 52, it's a semi-key number – is you, you're you not going to find, I think, a total where you're like, wow, I make this two to three points different in the playoffs. We have all this data on how these teams operate. And I, I think that where you are going to find your edge is just based on, and I spent all week digging. I, I don't know. I, the amount of time I put into these games, I'm like, how the hell do I ever cap 16 games a week when you go down some wormholes in these games? But um, 
I think that you're going to see more press on the outside from the Bucks, And this is the, 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 just this how I think it's going to play out, is these teams that meet for a third time, the defenses can make the adjustments. The team that lost the first two games is able to they, – they have the benefit, all right, we're going to make adjustments. The team that won the first two easily, I, what, what do they really have to change? Drew Brees against press man this year completed 57% of his passes compared to 75% against off coverage which the Bucs used almost predominantly the entire game in that second matchup. Defense is now fully healthy. White's back. Their secondary is healthy. Uh, so I think you're going to see more press men on the outside. I think Todd Bowles will make some adjustments to switch up that D. On the other side, yes, Brady tore up Washington, but I think that was more of an indictment on what Washington wanted to do. Washington was trying to run, like, these random like, stunts. I, what the hell were they doing? I don't know. I mean – uh, it was very odd defensive game plan for me, and as a result, they didn't get much pressure. Uh, the Saints don't blitz much. They're at right about league average, but they're still able to get pressure. I think they're sixth in pressure rate in the NFL. That's what you have to do against Brady. You have to get pressure against him without blitzing, because if you're blitzing, he's great at diagnosing the blitz and getting rid of the ball quick. And that's why this year's interception rate versus the Saints, 6.7, versus the rest of the league, 1.2. Trey Hendrickson, it looks like, will be back. That's huge. He can just kind of uh, – I mean, he was second in the NFL in sacks, I believe. He dominated Brady this year. I think he sacked him three straight plays. One of them was uh, nullified by a defensive penalty. But that's big if he's back. It looks like he's trending to that he will play. So uh, I think this Saints defense will be fine here. I also think that the Bucks and look, the Saints are going to go slower – they're going to try to run the ball, and you can't really run on Tampa, but it's slow passing. They don't really attack downfield, which has been a weakness of Tampa's defense over the past six to seven weeks. But on the other side of the ball, I actually think, and look, this is, goes into the handicap of this, that Tampa's going to try to run it more, which I, don't, I do not agree with that approach. In, in some sense, I do in that you want, to, you want to get some play action working, but you don't necessarily need to run to get play action working. But there's been a lot of talk from Bruce Arians, about needing to run the ball more, um, and if they do that, that's going to play right into the other stance. I mean, the last time they played, not, it was more great game script related, and they got blown out right away. But they, Ronald Jones ran the ball three times for nine yards. That, that was their entire, their entire rushing attack for the entire game. Let me check. Yeah, and Fournette had one carry for no yards. So they had four carries for nine yards in the entire game. So I, I think that they're going to try and establish the run here more which I hate, but it's going to help the under. So, you know, I agree with you on the Bucks having a bit of value here. Uh, if you can get three and a half, if you could buy three and a half to minus 120 or cheaper, I would do that. Uh, I think they're also a viable tease piece. But the way that I foresee this game playing out, it's not like I'm like, oh, there's three points of value on this under, and I've adjusted it because of this. But I think that this is going to be – because of the adjustments, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than most and the market is projecting here. Uh, I think this ends up being like 24-20, and it should be a good one. But don't yeah. disagree with your play. Yeah, we talked about – I think it was last week, yeah. With the Saints in the Superdome, you know, I think they're kind of a team that the public looks to and says, okay, you know, team – they're probably going to go over, they're indoors. But the last four now have gone under and – you know, that Chicago game, I mean, you saw the defense, you saw – but the offense only put up 21 points going – and they should – they could have had another touchdown, but uh, still, you know, it was it was a struggle for, for New Orleans against 
a defense in Chicago that I think is not quite as good as this one in Tampa. So, yeah, I, I'm expecting this game to, to tilt toward the under two. Tampa Bay is due some, you know, some regression from obviously the first two matchups on offense. And last week they dropped 13.5% of their targets. On the regular season, they averaged 5.3%. So I don't expect them to have as many drops, but uh, I do expect New Orleans to get enough pressure. And, and I expect Tampa Bay to uh, do what they have to do against Breeze. I don't expect Breeze to, to attack down the field uh, with any kind of consistency. So, yeah, I, I expect this game to lean under as well. All right, for the number three pick in the divisional round six-pack, my number two pick, I am going with the Ravens-Bills under 49 and a half at BetMGM. See if you can get uh, a 50 or 50 and a half, uh, but still going under 49 and a half. The reason being is I think both of these teams, number one, they're very well coached, but number two, I think they can both match up with each other's quarterback and we did, they, they didn't play this year, but we did see these two teams play near the tail end of 2019 on December 8th, and it was a 24-17 Baltimore win. Lamar Jackson threw for 145 yards. He did throw three touchdowns, but just 145 yards, 11 carries for 40 yards, zero scrambles, uh, and then Josh Allen, 17 of 39 for 146 with a touchdown, six sacks, uh, and just two carries for nine yards. Uh, total yardage, Baltimore 257, Buffalo 209. Third downs, Baltimore 3 of 11, Buffalo 4 of 17. And I, I think both. I think you're going to see, uh, maybe not to that extreme, but I think you're going to see a similar kind of game script where, um, you know, if Lamar Jackson, maybe he doesn't break that, you know, 48-yard crippling, uh, back, you know, touchdown on a scramble. And, you know, Josh Allen – he was running a little more than he had, but uh, this Baltimore team's been been good at corralling him. And um, they Baltimore was really impressive in that they showed that they could go in with a certain game plan of taking you know the team's best option away, and which was obviously Derrick Henry. And they held him to 18 carries for 40 yards, and they hold Tennessee's offense that's been lighting teams up all year to just 13 points. So uh, I like Baltimore to to hold Buffalo down. I think you know Sean McDermott. Great coach. Um, they'll play some zone. I don't think they're, they're going to want to, you know, turn their backs on Lamar. But uh, I do think they can, you know, obviously corral him better than, better than Tennessee. And that wasn't a – because of just how Baltimore was playing, that, we saw that game. You know, even with Tennessee scoring some early points, that game ended up 20-13. to 13. So uh, I think you have a little bit of wiggle room here uh, for this one to go under uh, in Buffalo, uh, just like the one in late 2019. I'll take any motherfucker's money if he giving it away. Yeah, I don't disagree with you unless we have some snow. We get some a snowber and this total comes down. You have all of these weapons, including Lamar and the Ravens running backs and the Bills with Josh Allen and their receivers on, on a, a slippery track. Uh, I might look at the over. But, I, yeah, I think that I'm leaning under here. I, historically, this has been a, an over round for what it's worth. Uh, to me, it's worth nothing. But, um yeah, I mean, when I look at this game, and I guess I should go into the fourth overall pick of the division round six-pack, which I'll get into while I talk about your pick as well. 
But my second overall pick is the Ravens plus three, minus 120. I'd go up to minus 125. Uh, look, Bills Mafia, I think you guys are a legit Super Bowl threat. Um, I think that if you win this game, you can easily beat Kansas City or Cleveland. I make you a small favorite here. About right about a half point favorite, minus I think minus point six exactly. I want you factoring home field. So, but with the key number of three, I have to take the Ravens at minus one twenty or better. So when I look at this game, look the Ravens' offense has obviously found their mojo uh, of late. The last five games of the regular season, last week against the Titans, it's Lamar finding his legs, and uh, but the Bills' run defense and they played really well against the Ravens last year. And I think that that game – look, I mean, I throw out a lot of the Josh Allen stats from last year. He's a different quarterback now. He's got digs. But last year, they you got to see this unique Ravens offense. And they probably did a better job than any other defense in the NFL last year during the regular season against the Ravens. Held them a season-low rushing yard total uh, in the process. Allen was awful, but he's a completely different quarterback now. But I think that experience will help. They're also a run funnel defense. They encourage teams to to run against them, which I think that they won't do here. You'll see more of their safeties coming down and trying to stop the run and putting spies on Lamar, et cetera. So I think that they'll 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 be okay against the run compared to what you would normally think because they don't they're not going to play their normal defense against the Ravens. So the question when it comes down to is. Yeah, you know, and I think the Ravens will be able to hit, still be able to hit some explosive runs. They'll put a couple drives together, and they're going to take, they're going to chew the clock. I was all over the Ravens Titans under last last week because of this, uh, and their defense is now fully healthy. And the Ravens defense dominated the Titans. I mean, people were talking about Tannehill and that offense. They were a top two or three offense all year. Now, now everyone's like, ah, the Titans suck. Like they got shut down. They averaged three yards per play in the second half and scored three points. Ryan Tannehill was almost a zero EPA per dropback. Ryan Tannehill. Dave, Corey Davis, he had zero catches. A.J. Brown, I was okay with them not calling that push-off, but he had a great drive, six catches, 80 yards. And that was the second half, they had one catch, 10 yards. Like Their offense got shut down. The Ravens shut down Henry, and their corners on the back end shut down their receivers. So, the, But the question of this game comes down to, can the Ravens shut down Josh Allen has been playing amazing. And he's faced in eight of their 17 games this year, he's faced the top 11 DVOA pass. So he's been doing it against great competition. The question is, what, what, what will the Ravens do against Josh Allen, who's been so good against the Blitz, first in touchdowns, first in yards, top three in big-time throws? The Ravens are the number one Blitz-heavy team in the NFL. They blitz on 40, over 40% of their plays. He's also been great against cover one. That's what the Ravens play most of. That's their main blitz shell. Um, the Ravens held, but the Ravens held quarterbacks to an 80 passer rating in cover one, which they usually blitz out of, which is uh, very, very, very good. Ravens are also number two in explosive play percentage allowed. One of the things you need to be strong at against the Bills. Now, one of the things that I've loved, I still think the Ravens are bringing pressure no matter what. People are saying like, oh, Josh Allen's been good against the blitz. Yeah, I mean, he has, but did Let's look at the pressure numbers. The, the Josh Allen with a clean pocket has been unbelievable this year. You don't want to give him a clean pocket. Under pressure, like here's a trivia question. Who, which quarterback has been better from a quarterback rating perspective this year, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? The answer is Lamar Jackson. Allen's completing under 50% of his passes when under pressure, 21st in the league, two yards per attempt, 
six of his 10 picks came from under pressure. So like his numbers aren't great under pressure. So the Ravens are going to try to get pressure and they're going to bring pressure. And, and last year it worked and he had a bunch of fumbles. He's a different quarterback now, but they're still going to bring pressure against him. That's kind of their calling card on the back end. They can also match up in man. The Ravens have struggled against four wide receiver sets. Ah, their corners have been hurt, and um, they have the best group of corners in the NFL, per my money, right there with the Rams. But I, I would still take the Ravens group over them. You're going to see Marlon Humphrey in the slot most of the night. That'll be against Diggs, 25 percent of the time against Beasley. The rest, either Jimmy Smith, who led the NFL in yards per snap and was arguably the best corner from a production standpoint this year in the NFL. He's back and healthy. He'll be on the outside on one side. And Peters. The game literally could come down to Peters picking off a pass or jumping a, uh, a double move and, and getting burnt. Like, literally, that could decide the game. It wouldn't shock me. But that's as good as it gets on the outside. So, yes, Josh Allen has been good against the blitz. Yes, Josh Allen has been good against cover one. The Ravens are good at blitz, and they're going to play cover one. But Josh Allen isn't playing against these three corners on the outside every week. On top of that, the Ravens have showed me, Wake Martindale, the defensive corner, that they're willing to make adjustments, which is huge here. I think that you're going to see some zone looks on the back end, which Josh Allen has struggled with. But last, last week against the Titans, in the first half, they blitzed on 65% of their defensive plays. I mean, that's enormous. They're usually, usually around 45%, which leads the league. But they were 65%. And they were kind of, they were playing man with their linebackers, and the Titans were able to get stuff, some stuff underneath. The second half, they played more zone with their linebackers. They were dropping them back into those hooks, took that completely away, and they only blitzed on 30% of their defensive snaps. That's right around league average. So they went from 65 to 30% on the, on the pick that Tannehill threw. They simulated pressure, dropped everyone, and Tannehill kind of panicked and threw it. So the Ravens are really – like before they were just like, we're going to blitz all the time, like last year. It's because they didn't have a good pass rush. They couldn't get any pressure just with their front four, but that's why they got Campbell. That's why they got Ngakwe. That's why when they went out and got some, you know, fast linebackers that they use in simulated pressure like Patrick Queen. So it's not just going to be all blitz all the time. And last year the Ravens were just really good in the blitz and not – and not great when they didn't blitz. This year, one of the best defenses in the NFL when they don't blitz. So it's not just going to be blitz all the time. Uh, I think this Ravens defense, now that they're fully healthy, is playing as well as any team in the NFL. They can they can do it all. So there are some scheme things that you look at and you say, all right, Allen has done this well which the Ravens against this, these defenses, which the Ravens do. But I think the Ravens will be up for the task. And, you know, basically I make this number around Bills a half-point half favorite. So, like, I think the Bills, from my model, are going to win more times than not. If they played this game 100 times, I think they would win, you know, 51 times. But I have to take the three. Special teams advantage for the Ravens as well. Uh, I think this is a close one. Obviously, three is a key number. Keep it on the weather. It's Buffalo. But uh, I don't disagree with you under. But I'm rolling with the Ravens as my second pick. Buy that to three. I think it's starting to juice up. Wait to see if you can get a three. If it doesn't, I would buy it. It's also a great tease piece. So you can tease through three and seven. Yeah, I have the game projected at about a half point as well. So I was thinking about the Ravens. It's it's just such a toss-up game. I, I do love the under as well just because I think both of these teams are so well coached and will match up well. But even looking at last week and, and for as explosive as this Bills offense is, the Colts had been regressing a little bit on defense. And 
there were a lot of close calls in that in that game. Now, some great plays by Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis, but did Davis get his foot foot down on you know two or three of those? Maybe, probably not. All every bounce went their <laughs> way. You know, you had, you had, their one touchdown at the end of the half was because the Colts jumped yeah. off sides. You had the Colts miss a field goal. You had the Colts go for it on fourth down and not get it at the five. Like, I mean, you named it. The Colts were the better team. I think the Colts outplayed them that game, and the Bills just got every single break. Hey, this is producer Matt. I do feel an obligation as a Bills fan to point out that the Bills didn't get every break this game as inside the two-minute warning, Colts wide receiver Zach Paschal caught a fucking pass, stood up, got the ball punched out by Jordan Poyer. The Bills recovered that ball. The refs refused to review the play, causing Buffalo to burn a timeout to have it reviewed. The review was pretty clearly a fumble as the broadcast booth Every single person watching at home, God, and 7,000 hammered, drunk Western New Yorkers in the stands could all see. So, Bills did catch a lot of breaks, but they didn't catch them all. Go Bills, back to you. The Bills just got every single break. You could see it took a while for Josh Allen against that cover two defense. He was not comfortable while. He made some great throws on the run towards the sideline, kind of improvising, but... The thing that I'm so interested to learn this week is if the Ravens win, and I hope they do for our Super Bowl futures and we can get to our pep talk because of that, if they win, I want to – like it's just going to be another data point for me to see how they play a team that throws it a lot with the quarterback who's been good against the blitz and good against cover one. But this is like Patrick Mahomes' light. So, like, I I really want to see – because next week that's been the kryptonite for the Ravens defense. So – uh, this is kind of a good warm-up for that potential game with the Chiefs. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. And for everyone who followed the Ravens Super Bowl futures from, you know, before they went on the five-game winning streak, we got 30-30 to 1, 25 to 1, 35 to 1. Uh, that's who we're going to dedicate the uh, pep talk to. Let's go on a little run here. Yeah, so with that, today's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from Tom Cruise in the 1996 film Jerry Maguire. It's his rant, and we're dedicating it to Baltimore Ravens. Well, don't worry. I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do, which is just flip out. Well, let me just let me just say, as I ease out of the office, I helped build that there is such a thing as manners, a way of treating people. If anybody else wants to come with me, this moment will be the moment of something real and fun and inspiring in this God-forsaken business, and we will do it together. Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? Who's coming with me? This is embarrassing. All right. I totally feel you on that. I mean, this is just a great coaching matchup. And I think whichever team wins this game, uh, if Kansas City can, can can beat Cleveland, which I'll get to in a second, great coaching matchup, McDermott or Harbaugh against Andy Reid. So looking forward to that. Andy, you had a cheeseburger in celebration of the uh, AFC championship game. Is that true? I did. Good one. Just one? Yeah, but it was thick. For the fifth 
overall pick in the division around six pack, my third pick, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns plus 10 at BetMGM against the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is just a case of the number being too high. And you look at how these teams have played this year. Cleveland has lost three, even, even with that negative point differential, you know, in the regular season. They're, now they're at zero, exactly, yeah. through 17 games, which is really funny. Yeah, so they, they, they got it's a zero-point differential, but they've only lost three of their 17 games played this year by double digits. So it was a 38-6 game to the Ravens in week one, 38-7 to the Steelers in week six, and then 16-6 in the one of those windy games to the Raiders in week eight. So second half of the season, Browns have not lost by – uh, double digits. And then you look at the Chiefs and as good as they've been and as good as Andy Reid has been with more than seven days to prepare, 40 and 27, 60% against the spread for his career, just two and two this year though. But as good as he's been in these type of spots, Kansas City just has not been covering uh, as of late. They've been winning a lot of close games. Now, can they flip a switch? You're looking at a Kansas City team from week nine on covered in just one of their eight games, went one and seven against the spread. They won by two, four, three, six, six, three, three. And then, you know, the, the last game of the year, I'm not going to count that they lost by 17, but all of their wins coming by six or less over the second half of the season. So just looking at both of these teams and how they're playing, especially down the stretch, you know, we've seen it with, with Cleveland Pittsburgh, even with no coaching staff, you know, you could just get breaks and it's just hard to win uh, by double digits in the playoffs. You look at the history of divisional round underdogs and uh, they are 39, 27 and one against the spread since 2003, 59%. It's just really tough to cover a number this big, uh, I have it around nine, and uh, I still feel like uh, there's some value here. It looks like some of our other experts have it even lower, so uh, it looks like we're in agreement that this is – it's just, a, you know, obviously Kansas City coming off a bye could blow them out, but uh, I think median outcome, Kansas City uh, wins by the sing- in single digits. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to be end up playing the Browns here. If you can get 10, I'm waiting. I'm trying to figure out if it's going to go to 10 and a half or not first. So I'm watching. And then once I feel like it's going to, if it goes, it's going to go to nine and a half, I'm, I'm going to play 10. If a 10 and a half never pops, but I make this eight. And yeah, that's adjusting for their buy and for Reed here coming off of a buy. But I really think that, I mean, the, the only fear here is that we're the Chiefs just all year saying, we're, we know we're going to win the Super Bowl. We don't really have to be that good. And now they're going to come out here and then just dominate again. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think I believe that. Like, even when they were, like, trying to clinch everything at the end of the year, their offense still wasn't right. Why isn't it right? Well, their offensive line is just not the same as it was last year. Mitchell Schwartz, he could play which I, I think that would really help. I don't think he's going to play this week, but if they get him back, they've really been missing him. But the offensive line just isn't the same. There's just been something that's been off with the offense. So the defense still has its issues, and I think that the Browns match up extremely well with this Chiefs defense. Yes, the Browns can run the ball, and the Chiefs are, what, 31st yep. in the league in EPA per rush. It's, it's, uh, it's a horrible run defense, but I also think the short passing – uh, can work against this Chiefs defense. The Chiefs 
they blitz a lot. They blitz at the fourth highest rate in the league. They're top five in passer rating and completion percentage when they do blitz. Baker Mayfield of late has been just unbelievable. I mean, and it's these short passes. That's it's it's a lot of scheme. But last week against the Steelers, he was I think fourteen of eighteen hundred and sixty yards, two touchdowns, no picks against the blitz. Uh, since you know, over the past ten games, him and Rodgers are number one in the NFL on their first read throws, passer rating wise. I mean, uh, he's been great, and I think how he's performed against the blitz and, and they're rolling him out. It's all based on play action and. Uh, that's that's not that's how you can move the ball against this Kansas City defense, and you know. So, but on the other side, so I think that the Browns are going to be able to move it. They get Petonio back, um, Stefanski will be back. I, I don't I don't see many ways that this Chiefs defense is going to get many stops. So I think that the Browns can keep up, especially with the way Mayfield is playing. On the other side of the ball, at least you do get Denzel Ward back. The lowest completion percentage allowed of any corner of man coverage over the past three seasons. But let's let's not try to put lipstick on a pig. This Browns defense is horrendous. Uh, it's so bad. I mean, it's hard to really describe how bad it is, but I'll try. Uh, if you remove the three heavy win games they played this year, they are the second worst defense in points per drive of any team in the NFL. It's a bottom five defense if you remove those three win games. And they're very turnover-reliant. And you want to really rely on turnovers from Patrick Mahomes? Nah, that's not going to get you far. So, And they really struggle against tight ends. So Ward back can help a little bit. But I don't see how the Chiefs won't score 30, 35, 40. I mean, they should put up their points here. But I think the Browns can match them. And when you're catching 10, that's a lot of points. And you can get a back door, too. So I agree with you. Uh, I think the Browns here are the play. There's also – the Chiefs could come out a little rusty here. They did last year at the Dubai, and they, they were down 21 nothing to the Texans. I mean, yeah, they scored 50 straight, and I guess that could happen again. But teams that rested their starters in Week 17 then had a bye and then were favorites in this round are 0-5 against the spread the past 10 years. Number one and two seeds, 27-37-1 against the spread as a favorite since 2003. This round after a bye. So there's uh, for you trend players, there's some things, small sample size. That, but I do think that they could be a little rusty. The timing could be off. And the timing has just been off in general with this offense. So maybe they come out and they just they look phenomenal. They turn on the switch. I, I don't know. But I, I think this line is way too high. So I completely agree with you. And in regards to the total, if this gets at 55, I think they'll have to play the over. My only concern – so as I said, I think that the Chiefs will get to like 35, 40. I think that the Browns will get to 28, 30 at a minimum. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns win this game. I'm telling you. Ravens host AFC Championship game. Let's go. Uh, but no, kidding. But not kidding. But in regards to the total, the only thing that scares me about the over is if the, is if the Browns approach this two ways. Because I love their staff. But they could come out here and just say we're going to run it. They've been throwing a lot on early downs. And we know Holmes is going to chuck it. He's going to throw it all over, and that's how you beat the Browns. But they, they, they've been passing on, on early downs. It's been working. But if they're just going to come out here and go heavy with Kareem Hunt revenge game and Nick Chubb and then just run them, because you can run on Kansas City, control the clock, go slower, keep Mahomes off the field. And then on defense, knowing that your pass defense sucks, drop eight, keep everything in front of you, just kind of – and then, like, let the – Mahomes will take it if you give it to him. 
let the Chiefs run it for four to five yards of play, take the easy passes, and 55, 56, wherever it's at now, is a high number. So that's what's going to probably keep me off the over. So, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the Browns are the play. It's yeah, crazy. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that. Divisional <laughs> round, but Browns are the play at the Chiefs in 2021. It's crazy. It's 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 ridiculous. But I, I'm with you on on how you kind of broke down the total because that I was initially kind of going back and forth because I do have this, you know, or at least I had the total projected uh, about a, maybe a half point over the market, but I adjusted it down a little bit because I actually do think the Browns will try to come out and execute that exact game plan you, you, you know, you talked about because they won a game 48-37 against the Steelers, but we've seen this happen to the Browns multiple times now. They came out monster first half against Tennessee. What was it, like 35 nothing or something like that, 35-7, and, and that game yeah. ends up 41-35. Against Pittsburgh, 28 nothing, and then Pittsburgh goes on a 37-20 you know, run. So this defense can't afford – you know, even if they get up – they. They, they don't want to prolong this game, especially not against Kansas City. Against, against a team like Pittsburgh, you're okay with that because we saw Big Ben, they're, they're dinking and dunking and guys are dropping it and can't snap, and they're just more mistake-prone. Uh, Kansas City, not very turnover-prone, not very, very mistake-prone, going to have the time to prepare. Uh, it's been proven that you drop back against Mahomes this year. That's how you kind of keep it close. So uh, I, I do expect Cleveland – to, to execute that. So I'm, I'm actually kind of hoping this total continues to climb because I've seen it at 57 at some places. I think we might get one of those ridiculously high totals where uh, he get some value on the under here as the week progresses. Yeah. I don't know if I have the stones to bet the under, <laughs> but that the, some of those reasons will keep me off the over unless it gets down to like 55 or, or below 55, like 54 and a half. Then I think I'd have to jump with allies. How, just based on the success that I think both offenses will have. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, for third pick and the final pick of the divisional round six-pack, we've already been through three games. We've already been through Bucks saints We've already been through Chiefs-Browns, Ravens-Bills. And the one game we haven't got to is arguably the ugliest, potentially the ugliest on the board. It is the lowest total on the board. For my third pick, I'm going with the under 45-and-a-half I would play the Rams at plus seven, minus 115 or better if you can get that. I make this like five-ish. Now, there's some questions, some injury questions with the Rams, but at seven, it's such a key number. Based on my numbers, minus 115 or better, Rams are a play for me for sure. This under is just based on how I think this game will play out. So let's start with when the – and I like some first half under two for what it's worth. Uh, follow the action app. You'll see all my plays there. Uh, all right, let's start when the Packers have the ball. I think that Aaron Rodgers has been playing unbelievably well. Out of his mind all year. It's been the big, biggest difference between the Packers this year and the Packers last year. He's playing at just such a high level, basically, at his when he was at his peak. But I think that 
this and this Rams defense, this is strength on strength. This is the best passing offense this season versus the best passing defense. The Rams can stop the run. Like they don't even need they have the, the lowest percentage of runs against with eight in the box this year, and they were really good against the run still. They were really good against the pass, also elite against the pass, one of the best pass defenses we've seen in the past ten years. They also get a ton of pressure, their top five in pressure rate. So they could do a lot of the things that the Bucks did against Rodgers, which is really when we we saw him shut down. They, you know, they they really confused him and they got pressure and they kind of made him a little hesitant. And that's what the Rams are doing. The Rams are changing up their coverages on the back end. They're getting pressure up front and they're just confusing opposing quarterbacks. And they're playing a lot of zones on the back end. People are saying like Ramsey versus Adams. That could happen a little bit, but Ramsey hasn't really been shadowing and the Rams play a lot of, a lot of zone. So even if you have Adams on one side, they can send him into the middle of the field. And it's not like Ramsey's going to follow him based on certain coverages. But luckily for the Rams, they have to, three quarters who ranked in the top 20 of PFF's coverage grade this year. The, the pass defense is just so good. Number one in explosive pass defense, and that's huge because Rodgers threw deep balls at the second highest clip behind only Brady this year. 129 quarterback rating, 12 touchdowns, no picks on, that, on those passes. While the Rams, they allowed on deep passes, 24% completion percentage, 38 passer rating, two touchdowns, five picks. One of the stupidest stats I've seen all year is from a DVOA perspective, deep passes to the right side of the field. Negative is better with DVOA. The Rams defense, negative 98%. The next best pass defense was negative three. The third best is positive three. I mean, they are giving up nothing deep at all. So they can get pressure. They're going to confuse Rodgers on the back end. Where, where is the Rams' defense really weak? I mean, uh, play action, they've been bad against play action. They've been better in the middle of the field. Their linebackers aren't great in coverage. So uh, big Bob Tanya, maybe he gets a bunch of targets here. We also might see a, like a run-heavier attack from LaFleur against this defense to set up the play action. And sometimes LaFleur falls in love with the run way too much with the way Rodgers is playing. So what else should I know about this place? You know Vince's trophy? Yeah, we want it back. Yeah, I've heard that. But you also have to remember, I'm assuming Donald, if Donald's going to go, if he's completely limited, obviously he's the best defensive player in the NFL. That's really going to hurt the Rams playing the under. But I'm assuming he's going to be close to healthy. Remember, there's no Bakhtiari here. Billy Turner filled in for him in week 17. He was bad. It's, people forgot that Bakhtiari is, is – not, I don't think people are talking about that enough here against this Rams defense. So I think the Rams defense is going to hold, hold their own. They've been the best defense in the NFL from almost every metric this year. They can take away the deep pass. They have a bunch of corners who can hang with Devonta Adams no matter where he is. I think this Rams defense is going to hold the Packers in check. Packers will get their own. Rodgers is going to put up his points. I mean, I think that they can get to, you know, 2024. But I, I think that's about it. When the Rams have the ball, what's going to happen when the Rams have the ball? Well, the Packers don't get much pressure. That, that could be good for golf. But golf, golf isn't even playing well with a clean pocket these days. I don't, you could see John Wolford from a stretcher, Blake Bortles, or Jared Goff with, with nine fingers. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I assume Goff, they pay him $100 million, But, I mean, they chose Wolford over him last week. They could choose Bortles over him this week. But I'm assuming they go Goff. Welcome to the Blake Bortles Experience. You've just been Bortled. But he has pins in his thumb. 
and he couldn't throw the ball last week. Well, now you're going in 20-degree weather. I'm sure that's not going to be great to throw. Rodgers, by the way, 26-9-1 against the spread in outdoor games when the temperatures are below freezing. So I, I don't think golf is going to do anything through the air. Cooper Cup is hurt. Do you look at the numbers with the Rams' offense without Cup over the past couple of years? Uh, embarrassing. I mean, close to the worst passing offense in the NFL over the past three seasons from an EPA perspective when Cup is not on the field. He's questionable. But the Packers have been good against uh, slot receivers anyway. Shannon Sullivan's been pretty underrated. If the Rams don't throw it downfield, they're gonna, what they're going to do is, and I'm convinced, is they're going to hand it to Cam Akers 35 times. They're going to try to run on this Packers defense. Now, you can run on this Packers defense, but, again, it's a run-funnel defense. So I'm assuming they're going to bring their safeties up. It's not going to be as easy as it normally is against the Packers. But I don't think that – and this is an aggressive Packers defense. I don't think Sean McVay is going to trust Goff throwing the ball or whoever he has out there. He's going to run it. He's going to trust his defense. They're going to play field position. They're going to ugly this game up. That's the, really their only chance here. I think their defense, their historically great defense can hang. I think they go super conservative. Yeah, another thing for this under, in situational neutral scenarios, the Packers are 32nd in the, in the NFL in tempo. They are the slowest team in the league. The Rams are 12th. They will throw in tempo on certain drives. They will just go super fast. I do not think you see that under any circumstances. They need to shorten this game. They're going to run it a ton. So I think you're going to have two teams that are, you know, the Packers are just naturally going slower. And I think the Rams are going to go super slow, try to run the ball, play field position. I think this Rams defense is one of the few defenses in the NFL that can really slow down this Packers offense. I like the Rams because I just the numbers a bit too high. I think this will be really low scoring. Seven's even more valuable in a low scoring game. Uh, but I like the under, the first half under and the game under. Rams only to get seven, first half under and game under even more. At the, I think it's, it ends up probably being like a 23-17, 23-20 max final. So, yeah, give me the under here. Yeah, I like it. I think for this – like you kind of pointed it out, the Rams really have to shorten the game here. Even though they have a great defense and, you know, they they've have been, you know, going with some tempo historically under McVay – they have to shorten this game here. You look at Cam Akers, his rushing attempt prop is 16 and a half at BetMGM. 21, 29, 15, 21, 28. Uh, average of 22.8, median of 21 rushing attempts in his last five games. Uh, Only 15? 16 and a half is his, is his prop. But he's gone over. He's, way too yeah, low. He has 21 or more in four of the last five. 15 in the game against the Jets where they got behind way early, which could happen, but I think you have a pretty good chance of Cam Akers going over that. And he actually has, you know, to your, to your Rams pick, Akers has improved as a receiver of late. And Sean McVay's great at kind of scheming these plays up. But uh, in those five games, uh, one for 22, so 22 yards, you know, a pop, then 11.5, you know, two for 23. Uh, then he had one for negative one. But then the last two games, four for 52 and two for 45. So over these last five games where Akers has been the feature back, he's got 10 passes for 141 yards, 14.1 yards per. Uh, so you know, I, I think Akers is going to be the workhorse here uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. Packers do play well covering on the outside, I think, um, and, and pretty well in the slot. And, hey, this could, like, even though we haven't seen it, Tampa Bay showed it was possible early this year. We haven't seen it. He's probably going to win MVP, but 
Could be one of those Rodgers games. <laughs> Could be one of those Rodgers games like we saw against San Francisco, like we saw against Tampa Bay. No one dares to say it after he just threw for 48 touchdowns and five picks. And he did finish top five in, in passer rating under pressure, so uh, did fix some things under pressure. But if there was ever a matchup where he would get stifled and have one of those games where it's just inexplicable, it would be this one. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that under I, I, I'm, I'm really a lot counting on the Rams' defense here, and I've look, I looked into it for a long time to see how they would match up. I think that they're going to keep them in this game because if they don't, then you're going to have Goff trying to throw, and then you're going to have turnovers, and it gets really messy. So I, I think that if they can stay close, that this sets up for Rams and the under. The one thing that does worry me, besides if the Rams, if this game starts to get out of hand, is special teams. I, and I'm not, it's not going to keep me off the game, but both special teams have been really bad. So I don't want like a, you know, a blocked punt, a muff punt. It, it does fear. It, it does scare me with these two teams, but that's kind of a, a side worry here. Uh, Rams and under for me. Yeah, I mean you're not going to get a Devonte. At least you don't think you're going to get a Devonte Adams blow up on the sideline, force the ball to him, pick six, which you know would would make that that game is probably forty three last week if not for that play, which was just utterly ridiculous, by the way. Uh, so we have that working for you as well. But yeah, I like the under and the rims. The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, that is going to wrap it up for our Divisional Round Sunday six-pack. To recap, I am going with the Tampa Bay Bucks plus three and a half. Ravens, Bills under 49 and a half, and the Browns plus 10. Stuck is going with the Bucks, Saints under 51 and a half, Ravens plus three, and the Packers, Rams under 45 and a half. That's going to do it for our six pack. And for you guys that are looking to follow our picks, you can find Stucky on the Action Network app at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon, and you can find the Sunday Six Pack picks at Sunday Six Pack. You can also find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our NFL betting content. Good luck this weekend, and let's get this money. We're finished talking.